All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuck, Adelics? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. I just did a show up here in Bellingham, Washington. I'm recording this in my hotel room in Bellingham, Washington. Now, Rob Halford is here today. He's the, uh, the front man of Judas Priest. He's regarded as one of the greatest metal singers of all time. He wrote a memoir in 2020 called Confess and followed it up last year with a second book, Biblical. And I talked to him. I did not know what to expect. Again, I could poke around and and see him on other things, but I had no idea. And I don't know that Judas Priest played a, well, they didn't. I'll be honest with you. They were not one of my bands. I was not really a metal guy uh, early on. And it's weird when you come to metal later. Now, the thing about Judas Priest is that they were they were pretty accessible. I mean, they had hits. I knew the hits. I knew I knew the whole vibe, but I was not a metal kid. I guess I don't know if my anger went in other places or I didn't realize it was anger or I or I was finding my release elsewhere, you know? I think like I think Jewish kids are more prone to uh Jewish teenage boys are more prone to masturbating than, than metal. I'm sure they, they go hand in hand for some people, but I understand the music. I was happy to talk to Rob and it was like, it was kind of exciting because I never know what to expect from anybody when I talk to him, but what a lovely guy that guy is and what a, a smart guy and a humble guy. He's out there in Arizona living a life with his husband, sometimes in San Diego. It was great. Okay, look, you guys, do you want to know where I'm working? I'll be at Largo tonight, all right? I've got uh, Sophie Buttle and uh, Allie Mack with me. Next month, I'm in Boston at the TD Garden for Comics Come Home on Saturday, November 4th. Denver, Colorado, I'll be at the Comedy Works South for four shows, November 17th and 18th. And Los Angeles, I'm at Dynasty Typewriter on December 1st, 13th, and 28th. Also in LA, I'm at the Elysian on December 6th, 15th and 22nd and Largo again on December 12th and January 9th. Go to WTFpod.com slash tour for tickets. And that's how it's going. New materials going pretty good. Bellingham was great. You know, it was part of a festival up here. And I just, I, I want to tell you people, if you are the people I need to tell that I do grown up comedy. It's for adults. It's, on you, it's your discretion, whether you want to bring your children. I'm not Nate Bargetsy. I love Nate Bargetsy. I've watched his special, his newest one, twice. And I envy the cleanness of it. But it is not what I do. I'm not a family act. And it was just one of those things. I'm walking around Bellingham. I went and did a sound check at the Mount Baker Theater. And then I'm rushing to the, the one vegan place I walked into. You know what's interesting about eating vegan is that Whatever town you go to, if you find a pretty good vegan place, uh, you can eat there the entire time you're in town. And I used to like run around and try to eat all the foods that the places had to offer, uh, you know, especially if, uh, you know, they were known for something. But now with vegan stuff, it's like, just give me a real vegan restaurant that's not garbage. So I went to this place, The Fat Beat. I went there twice because it was exactly the kind of food I made at home. Maybe a, a couple of different sauces. And their approach to uh, to beat uh, uh, kraut was a little different, but but it was exactly what I like to eat. 
So I, I went there twice. I'd go there three times. I went to this other place, Old Town. What was it? Like the Old Town Diner, the Old Town Cafe this morning. Amazing, amazing tofu, oatmeal. It was good. Nonetheless, so I'm walking out of the theater after a sound check. People are seeing me in the street. They're like, hey, Mark Maron. I'm like, what's up? You know, that thing. And, and then some guy walks up to me and he's got his wife and two kids with him. And these are young kids. They got to be maybe 12 and maybe nine and and it's a whole family and he's just thrilled he's like oh my god we're so excited we're gonna see you and i'm like are you bringing all of them are you bringing those those children i don't think i i don't think i had that tone but i was like are they coming he's like yeah we're all coming i'm like well i gotta be honest with you man it's gonna be kind of a a a rough ride really i i I don't know what to tell you but it's gonna be tricky and then I, I actually said to the guy, I said, you know, I'll try to give you a heads up when something that might be difficult for them to process is about to be talked about. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I got a 1,200 people in there, and I'm like worried about this grown up who I don't know how how would you know me? And I'm hey, look, I'm not criticizing him for this. You know, I get it. You, you know, I think sometimes parents of a certain ilk will bring kids places and really believe that they it'll just go over their head. They won't be able to process it. But I don't think that way. So now I'm worried about the kids. And I actually made the offer that I, to him that I would, you know, I, I'll give you a heads up when you got to, you know, hold their ears. I don't know what, but I just don't understand who would, who would make a decision based on what, you know, to bring the kids. And I've, I really don't have anything against kids. It, it's just that like, you know, parents, you spend your life, you know, trying to guide your children and protect their brains, especially in the culture we live in. But they're like, yeah, come on, get, let's get in the car and go see Mark. And I'm like, I think my comedy is for everybody, but it is it is for grownups. I mean, yeah, there may be some advanced-ish, you know, 15 to 20-year-olds. You know, I, I they, they can wrap their brain around what I do, and I'm not gratuitously filthy, but I talk about heavy grown-up shit. So that kind of threw a wrench into my brain for a while. And I, I didn't know what I was really going to do. I, I realized early on, it, I really tried to think like, well, what if I just made my act clean? And, that kind of, and, I'm, and I'm not talking about language. I'm talking about ideas that I just don't think are appropriate for, for, for that young a, a person. And it would probably come out to about 23, 24 minutes, probably with the, the bigger pieces but nonetheless, I still didn't really know what exactly to do. So I thought about it. And then, you know, I got on stage and I said, look, um, there in Bellingham, I tried to characterize Bellingham. It was kind of funny. I just, I'm like, I don't have a sense of this town, but it seems like it's filled with like doulas and potters and people that look like they're about to hike or just got back from a hike. And then there seems to be uh, a few men around that look like they might make TikTok videos of them cooking meat outdoors with just a fire and a cast iron pan and a few men who look like they might be trying to play banjo in their fifties. It got good laughs. Maybe I nailed it, but I said to the people, I said, uh, look, there's, there's a family in here. I'm not going to point them out. I don't, don't know where they're sitting, but I thought about it and I thought like, look, man, I, you know, I, this is not appropriate for younger, for children. And it's up to you but I will refund your money if you want to split. I'm just telling you that up front because I can't tailor the act and uh, I'm not judging your your parenting skills either, but I, I do want to say that 
as sort of a, you know, a parental, it's, it's, it is a, an R rated show. So I don't know whether or not they took off or whether or not I changed some young man's brain forever. Cause don't you remember the stuff that you saw that you weren't supposed to see when you were like 12? Does it ever go away? I mean, I think I saw porn for the first time when I was 15, which is like just, uh, that's just, you know, the way it is now, but it, it fucked my brain up. I remember seeing, you know, Jackie Vernon when my parents took me to comedy club. And I think that might've you know, been the primary sort of exciting traumatic experience that set me on the path to being the comic that I am now. I don't know. I felt bad. I mean, I just don't know what they based it on. Is the only thing they saw me in bad guys and they're like, we're going to go see the snake. I don't know how it landed or, or, or what happened, but uh, I felt like I did. What would you call that due diligence or fair warning? Who knows? Maybe I'll hear from them. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll hear from that kid in 10 years, dude, you know, Jake Fogelnest, his dad used to take him to the Boston Comedy Club in New York City when he was like seven. And that kid used to watch me when he was like seven. He turned out okay, but it was touch and go for a while. Um, all right, look, thank you, Bellingham. It was a great food, great show, nice people. Um, I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to Portland next week. Rob Halford. Rob Halford, I, I didn't know what to expect, but I just, I knew he was one of the great heavy metal guys, but I also knew that he was gay and out and that was a big deal. And I also knew that, you know, they, they were on trial when a couple of kids uh, killed themselves and their music was blamed, but I didn't know how he would be as a guy. And it was, uh, it was a quite a lovely conversation. This is me talking to uh, Rob Halford, the front man of Judas Priest. His books, Confess and uh, Biblical, you can get them wherever you get books. Biblical comes out in paperback on November 7th. And this is uh, me and Rob chatting it up. How have you not met Iggy Pop? It's that thing where, you know, you grow up in, in music and... Yeah you suddenly form attachments to people that are not specifically about music. It's more about the character yeah. of a person. It's more about their personality. Yeah. And, of course, the world knows he's just a remarkable man Yeah. on many levels. So um, he's just a guy like yeah. yourself. I'd love to meet this guy and just sit down and flap my lips and he likes I'll, to talk. open my heart and, yeah. you know... He's a sweet guy. I interviewed him years ago, and he's definitely not the character. That's it. Yeah. That's it. You see, there's this guy called Rob Halford, and there's this guy called the Metal God. <laughs> yeah. And um, I've always enjoyed that kind of separation in uh. personalities because I think it can be quite useful. Yeah. My friend Alice Cooper is my neighbor in Phoenix. He's like the epitome of this idea. Yeah. You know, you see this, this whatever this is on stage, and that's where your focus is on the experience of a live show as, as well as the music. Yeah. And then you, you have all these wonderful things flipping around in your mind, like what does he have for breakfast? You know, that yeah. kind of crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. And you realize 
you know, we're all the same. We're all the same. But yeah. that's what I love about entertainment and that's what I love about show business. We need it. Humanity needs escape. Yeah. It, it's it's just a vital part of, of what makes the world go around. Sure. I You know, I, I wish that so much of it had not been applied to uh, politics so effectively. Uh, but what are you going to do? But like, but that's... Like I've never been uh, I've spent most of my life trying to hold on to whatever sense of self I have that the idea of of and I know I have different parts of me that live on stage, but to sort of commit to the full regalia of uh, an elevated character. I mean, and clearly you write in, in both books that it does feel amazing. But uh, but was there a sense other than with drug and alcohol that you would become the metal god? It kind of wraps itself around you. You're not aware of this happening. <laughs> yeah. This this moniker, this Metal God thing sure. came about from this song on the British Steel album, Metal Gods. And I'm definitely not the kind of guy that wakes up one day and goes, today I'm going to be known henceforth from the Metal God. All, all bow down and praise me. It was just popping up in interviews and yeah. conversations and this, that, and the other. Thought, this is pretty cool, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's nice to have this, this attachment. But then you see, you have to be aware of the seriousness of this kind of position. Yeah. Because some people, a lot of people, really commit themselves. Yeah. They really make this strong emotional commitment and connection to you. So when when you bump into me pushing my trolley yeah. <laughs> around fries or whatever, yeah. that can't be the metal god. Because there's this... There's this great manifestation that goes on about is this the, is the is the guy on stage is, is this how he dresses when he walks around the house sure. and goes to the store whatever right um, so you have to be respectful I think respect is the big thing in in, in the relationship that we have with our fans especially sure. respect your fans because God knows without them we wouldn't have what we're doing right now you know we. Everybody needs a support system, Yeah. whether it's a family, whether it's a million fans, whether it's a work friend, whether it's a school friend. Right. That connectivity is important to us on, on, on every level. So I embrace it and I probably understand it more now as an old man in my 70s, my early moving to mid-70s. Yeah. I appreciate the value of what this, this moniker, the metal god, means now more than I did like 20, 30, 40 years ago. But it seems like even when you write about it that you always had a, 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 a real empathy for whatever the struggles that your fans were going through or for whatever really why they needed the music or who they were as a group, uh, that they you know were experiencing emotional upheavals on a full spectrum of, of levels. As as usually at the beginning, adolescent, you know, angry, repressed, frustrated, troubled people. So, but it seems like you never, you always sort of felt that and identified that. So to be gracious in, in encounters with them. I, I imagine now if somebody does find you and meets, sees you at your trial, you're, you're still metal enough. I mean, you... <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, I think you do. I think you do. You you never lose that mantle. Yeah. You never lose it. It's there with you, uh, particularly when you're out in public, but you're not on stage. Yeah. And and uh, my radar's always on, you know, when For I'm out and about. People coming at you? Yeah. And you yeah. know exactly who they are at this exactly. point. Exactly. And, and you just, you're gracious. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no way to be any other way than that. And Lord knows when you... 
when you've done a show and you get on the plane and you fly for two hours and you get off the plane and you get to check in into the hotel at three in the morning and there are people waiting for you. Right. You better be ready for that, you know. You better be ready for saying, wow, thank you so much. You know, it's middle of the night and you're here. Yeah. And yeah, sure, I'll sign this stuff. There, you have to be ready for that. Sure, I'll sign all 90 of the records and the pictures. Yeah, yeah. Then we go into the eBay world. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is a whole other podcast. Have, but have, um, you, have you noticed those guys all look the same? <laughs> <laughs> the eBay guys? Like, no matter what city I go to, maybe there's one or two, but I'm like, are you the same guys? They, that they, we- they travel. They, they, <laughs> they, they catch a plane. They catch a bus. They catch a train. They do. They text each other, right, you know. Right, I had an incident not too long ago in Phoenix. I got off the plane from a long flight somewhere. How do they know you're on the plane? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. What? Before I was surrounded by a bazillion things to sign, I said to this yeah. one guy, I said, how the hell did you know that I was on that flight? You knew him from the other place? And, and he goes, oh, oh, oh we, got a, we got a friend on the inside that works at the airport. I go, uh, what do you mean by that? How were they able to get the, the flight manifesto right. of the passengers? Right. And he goes, oh, we, we got somebody that works like with the fire department or something. And I said, you, you know who's on the plane? Yeah. And he goes, wow. yeah. I'm like, what? The, 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 the lens that some people will go to. And that's a kind of a scary thought. It is. That, that somebody that's nothing to do with what we're talking about yeah. is able to get the plane manifest and always oh, on this plane, leaving at this time and getting in at this place. Looking at, for celebrities. At this gate at the airport. Yeah. That happened to me once. Like, obviously, I'm not a metal god, but I have a few fans, and and I couldn't understand how they knew because it was like, like in Iowa or somewhere. Like, <laughs> how the fuck did you know that I'm on this plane? Everywhere. I tell you where it's not. I tell you where it doesn't happen in, in my worldly travel so far. I don't think it really happens. In, it doesn't happen in Japan. Mm. I don't, know, I don't know if you've ever been to Japan. No. It's a beautiful place. Man. I want to go. You've got to go. It's this incredible balance between the Western experience and their Eastern philo- philosophy, yeah. who they are and where they came from. Yeah. Incredible, incredibly respectful people. It's, it seems aesthetically pleasing. It is. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, it's just mind-blowing the things that you can see there if you're into all of this art and creativity, yeah. music, whatever it is, kabuki. It's just absolutely fascinating. But the way they balance that up, you know, because up until the Second World War, they, they were closed off from the rest of the world, you know. Yeah. They, were, they, they lived their own thing. It was purely Japan. Yeah. And then, of course, things changed dramatically, but they never lost that part of their DNA. Yeah. There's a great band called Baby Metal. I don't uh-huh. know if you've heard of them. No. Street Girls. There was a lot of kickback when they first came, came about because it looked purely manufactured, commercially manufactured to make money, you know? This Japanese metal band? Japanese metal band, Baby Metal. Okay. It's, it's all girl bets, an all girl band. Yeah. It's, it's all girl singers, sorry. Yeah. They've they got guys in the band that, yeah. that, that play with them. And, so, and they dress in a really kind of special way. And when they first appeared, there was a tremendous amount of hostility and pushback, mm. you know, because again, in the metal world, uh, there's, a, there's a tremendous amount of protection mm. and self-worth, self-worth and of, self-value. Of, of the authenticity or yes, what is perceived absolutely. as such? It's got to be real. Okay. Keep it real, you know? So when, when this band first appeared, there was, there, was a, there was a real lot of pushback, but they worked so hard. And now, I mean, in Japan, they sell out, they sell out like stuff. 
stadium, yeah. 80,000 people a night. Yeah. They'll do a, a, what they call a black show and then a red show. Everybody dresses in black. Everybody is 80,000 people a pop, you know. Oh, yeah. Massive in their own country. Yeah. And they've worked really hard to take this idea, take this music around the world, and it's gained, it's gained traction. I've watched them exponentially yeah. grow. But this idea we're talking about with, with the way the Japanese people will take something from, from the West, yeah. that's the right word to say, and, and then emulate it, but... Give it that. Give it their own identity and creativity from the Japanese point of yeah. view. Yeah. So, it's, so there's a lot of that in Japan, you know. And there are no eBay's. Yeah. But I, now there will be. <laughs> uh, there's no uh, none of those guys. None of those guys. There's, it's never. It's never women. <laughs> it's all. There's a few, but but yeah. Here's another interesting thing about metal. It's for for the longest time, it was a predominantly male structure yeah you didn't have you didn't have girl singers yeah you didn't yeah. have girls in bands oh right. no this is metal it's a very sexist message but you did thing. have girlfriends who were pretty excited yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah. Uh, but it, but but in in the in the role of, of musicians right. sure it was and I, I never as a gay guy i could never really quite figure that out you know yeah um, but again we break through slowly but surely you break through barriers that's what yeah. i love about music the openness and complete unconditional love of music is acceptance for everybody doing whatever they choose to do yeah and so for um, better, you know sometimes more popular sometimes less but you yeah. can kind of do whatever you want but again respect you know sure so it, it's great to see how that's changed now the metal world is is so much more open than, than it than it used to be well before i i want i, I kind of want to go into the metal world a little bit but before i lose my thought around the metal god idea is that in the new book, biblical, like it, it seems like, uh, you know, with the success of the first book, you were basically able to just make a list of things that, you know, you had something to say about and just put the book together like that. Whatever it is, streaming, band managers, sex, uh, sobriety. But but one thing that you cleared up for me, because I know musicians, I talk to musicians sometimes and I, I've had friends in bands, was you kind of were able to kind of uh, uh, to get back to the metal god idea to to talk specifically about how a lead singer becomes insane because <laughs> like you know I know like I had known guys in bands and there was always this idea that well the singer's insane <laughs> and you were able to avoid that but you were able to observe the insanity happening in other bands. Rock, you know, as I was driving here yeah. today to the Cat Ranch. I passed a forest, uh, forest lawn, sure. where I, you know, I had two beautiful memories of, of Ronnie James Dio's oh, memorial yeah. and Lemmy's yeah. memorial service. And I'm trying to link that to, in, in an abstract way, yeah. that, that, they, that they were not lost through insanity. They yeah. were lost through totally different issues. But, right. but um, as far as... Thinking about those guys and the world that they lived in, the craziness of the of the rock and roll world, the insanity, the sex and drugs and rock and roll, yeah. part of what what we have. Not so much the drugs now, because everybody gets off the bus and starts lifting weights. Yeah, I know, which is great. <laughs> is it? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. tell that to tell that to Jim Morrison. Um, yeah. But uh, but the, yeah, the insanity, the way that you have to really get your mind in focus and to be able to sit back and think what is actually going on here you know yeah why why am i 
why are my emotions in this place? You know, wh why do I, why do I have to reach for a drink now? Why do I have to take a drug now? Wh why, why is this peer pressure? But, but also the idea that some of them drift into a, an ego, uh, state of mind, uh, 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 elevated ego state of mind where they are the band. And the limo has to be at 66 degrees. Yeah, and if it's uh, yeah. 67, I'm not getting in that limo. It's an easy trap to fall into. Because it just happens. You don't, you've, got to, you've got to be aware of it happening. I mean, you, uh, 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 of, of feeling those things. I don't know how you would do that. I'll tell you the thing about a lot of bands is that uh, I was going to say, I was going to use Priest as a reference. Yeah. You know, guys even now have difficulty talking to other guys about their emotions and their feelings. Sure. It's just the way we're made up. And yeah. I come from a different place. I was well, born you're, in you're, 1951. But also British, so that doubles it. Yeah, you don't cry. <laughs> Men don't yeah. cry, right. you know. Men bring bring home the wages and put them on the table and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And then stuff everything. Yeah, yeah. St and stuff it all in and never, never, and just never let that out. Yeah. The anger and the frustration that yeah. so many men must have felt back then. But even now, you know, sure. it's a subject that they, this whole thing about men being open and, and men hurting and men having feelings. Yeah. You know, it's, it's vital that even in 2023, we, we push the message out that we, that we have to talk about these things. But in bands, here's the thing. When, a, when Priest finishes a tour, that's it. We, are, we have literally no contact with each other, you know. Uh, and, and it's you kind of use the word family, yeah. but it's almost like a dysfunctional family. Yeah, of course. Because you've got all these guys with different temperaments, different characteristics, just different personalities. Yeah. And this this insanity thing, I, I wish I could, I wish there was somebody I could go and speak to, you know? Yeah, oh, right. right. Uh, and, and if you don't have that, um, but you're surrounded by yes people because yeah. they want their job, they want their wage packet every month. They're going to go yes to everything. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Yes, this, yeah. yes, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, take a few more drinks. Yeah, have some more drugs. Yeah. You know, uh, because they value what they've got going on in life. You know, yeah. they're not going to suddenly say, don't do this, don't do that. You're fired. You yeah. know, nobody wants to be fired. Sure. So this over-believing in yourself and inflating who you are uh, it's a deadly trap you know and, yeah and you I can't think, you can't be self-aware about it. it's one of those weird things because i think everybody has that blind spot of ego where they don't have a complete reflection of who they're they don't have the humility enough to to see themselves clearly so i imagine when you have twenty thousand people you know you know chanting your name you how would you not tip over into some sort of uh strange uh, kind of position it's very easy to fall into the don't you know who i am yeah. syndrome right you know right but but i tell you i tell you that this is also part of my own kind of dysfunctional um life as it yeah. was then not so much now because i've been clean and sober for 36 years but you do you put you play to all those people you pour your heart out you're 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 letting out all this pain and angst in your voice and your and your performance i'm just talking about me i'm not talking about the rest of the band i'm just using my using this as an idea you've got all that right you come off stage you do your food you do your chit chat whatever where are we going yeah. tomorrow blah 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 you go back to your hotel room you close the door yeah <laughs> it's you it's you, man. <laughs> it's you. 
Yeah. Look at yourself in the bathroom mirror. Yeah. It's just you, just you, dude. Sitting there eating a candy bar from the mini bar, <laughs> maybe three candy bars, <laughs> jerking off. Just, the, oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you read my jerking off story? Yeah. I, I, that was pretty funny, it wasn't was, it? It was. I, I felt fin- bad for you. <laughs> finagled, <laughs> finagled away to watch like 10 seconds of a porno on those boxes that they used to have on the little on the TV. Yeah, pre-computer. Yeah. Pre-getting your your porn on your phone, you really had to bend your brain a bit. But no, the humility of that is interesting, especially because I've been sober a long time too, you know, and when, you know, when you do get off stage and you're still feeling that, that, that amp, you know, that you're jacked up and you, you know, you've sort of burned through the possibility of, uh, of, of hooking up with somebody or whatever. And, and then you get back to your hotel room and it's just, you know, candy and jerking <laughs> off. And, it, and at some point you just got to be like this, I'm winning. <laughs> This is good. I deserve this. Yes. Well, do you think that for all those years, one of the things that kept your your ego in check? Because in the writing, it seems like it, even in in the midst of it, and even looking back on your behavior, your drug problems, or whatever that that this sort of uh, you know being closeted, and and then on top of that, you know, self medicating, that there was a, a type of uh, a shame that kind of grounded you in your personal life that probably saved you in some ways from your ego getting too far away from you yeah i think my background as um, from where i come from in the west midlands yeah called the black country yeah it goes back to the victorian age where it was all coal mining yeah. and steel and you know the the, the the country was covered in black soot and tox- so toxic yeah i talk about in confess yeah. you know walking to school past a and metal steel works and the, the toxic fumes yeah. and everything was blowing into people's gardens and homes. Yeah. But the roots of who I am are from my family. And this business of this being from the West Midlands and being from the black country and being a yam yam, as we call ourselves, a yam yam. What does that stand it's for? It's kind of a nickname for the personalities of the West Midlands and the black country. Yeah. You don't put yourself on a pedestal. It doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what kind of house you live in. Doesn't matter how much money you got in the bank. You don't do that. We're all the same. We're all people on the same level, regardless of our material wealth, whatever it is. You know. So is that is that level though? It, that sounds sort of you, you know, uh, pleasant and and almost uh, utopian. But is is the level that we're all on shit? <laughs> I think that helps, you know. <laughs> I figured that out later on in life, you know. Yeah. We're all swimming through shit and trying not to drown. Um, so, so you try, you struggle to try, try and find that balance, and it's terribly difficult to do when you, a, you're gay and nobody knows about it apart from a handful of people. Yeah, you know. And then B, you've got this cocaine problem, and then C, and then C, you've got this like, I come off stage, I must have my six cans of Budweiser, a bottle of Dom Perignon, and a line of Coke. Yeah, every show. Yeah, you know, you've got all that going on. And I read this book after it was done, and I'm like, who is this guy? Which one, you know? the new one? Or I uh, confess. confess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who is this guy? You know. Yeah. How did you get through that? You know. And then we go into this beautiful spiritual higher power thing that yeah. I that I knew was always going on in the background through all that shit that I was going through there was somebody there you know you did think that there was somebody there yeah and um huh i think even in those really dark moments there was there was like that little teeny tiny a bit of light a little bit of a spark that was going on you know this thing about loneliness yeah 
You're born alone, you die alone. Right. You know? Sure. Get that into perspective, you know? Um, I just watched the ending of War and Peace, a great BBC production. Yeah. And watching some of the people pass in, in that show and some of the people pass with friends around them. And I think that's a great way to go out. Yeah, you if you know. have the time. Yeah. Sometimes it happens quickly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would like mine to be quick. Yeah. I don't want the long lingering exit. Yeah. You know. But maybe just, a day or two. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll give me a day. <laughs> give me give me time. To, give me time to text all my. I'm going now. <laughs> I won't be coming back. You won't be getting any more texts. No more dick pics for you. Yeah, you know. Yeah, sending yeah. any more porn. Up. Of the phone, uh, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, but the idea of higher power, like it seems like you, you know, you went to rehab, but in the book you say you don't really do the the thing, you don't do the secret meetings, you know, which I've kind of not grown out of. I still go occasionally, but it seems that the the idea of the spiritual framework of of AA kind of stuck with you in think, terms. of- I think that was always there. Yeah. I think I just needed to be shown the way a little bit. Sure, yeah. I was 30 days in, in rehab and I, and I met some uh, beautiful people that were all from, from all walks of life. And that's a great thing about, about right. we're all rehab. Right, we're all the same shit. Yeah, we're all the same. <laughs> uh, so this understanding of the, there is something else going on that, you, you know, if you, if you tune into that, if you find a way to experience that and hear some ideas and some suggestions... You ever hear that saying, uh, uh, God doesn't wake up and think he's you? (laughs) That's pretty good. But yeah, but you also had that, like something, I mean, I had it too. There was always some part of me that believed that, you know, I, I wasn't going to lose myself. And, and, and you were at the precipice of suicide because of the hopelessness and loneliness of cocaine and everything else, but you didn't, you didn't do it. No. I mean, there, there's something that got hold of you, whatever that little window into, like, something. I mean, you you did a pretty good run, but yet you didn't die. Yeah, uh, and and why didn't I die, you know? I mean, uh, it's, there you go. And then you say, well, why did some of my friends die, you know? Well, didn't your, uh, your uh, partner die, you know, from it? Yeah, yeah, my partner who put put a gun in his mouth, oh, you know? Oh, my God. Um that was just, you know, he was having one of his tantrum rages and I had to leave because I knew it was just going to get expl- explosive. And and, uh, and I left and I went to a hotel uh, by the airport in Philadelphia and I called a friend. I said, would you just go check in on him? And he, he was gone. He walked into the room and he could still smell the cordite. You yeah. Know? Oh, really? So I went back uh, like two hours later. I go over to the hospital and he's all hooked up and he's gone, you know, but they yeah. keep him long. Thank God his organs went on to save other people's lives. Yeah. But um, that's the extreme, you was know. Was that your first real uh, partner? Kind of, that was you Brad? know. Was his name Brad? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The one, the love of my life now, Thomas. We've been yeah. together for three thousand years. Oh, that's good. He's from Alabama. Oh, nice. And uh, he's a he's a vet. Yeah. He was in uh, Mogadishu. Oh wow, that was heavy. Yeah, he was in special special forces Mogadishu and, yeah. and in Iraq. So it's 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 a very interesting part of our relationship. He sounds like he's a real metal god. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's never really opened up mm. on that side of stuff. And you know how the gays know everything. Mm. We don't. Yeah. You know. Again, respect. 
don't draw things out of people if, if they're not already leading you there. Sure. You know? Yeah, I definitely know that. So, I, I talk to people twice a week. <laughs> so, so, so uh, th- this business of, uh, of, of being in, in, in this darkest is the, the only way out is the blackness, you know, yeah. and then the, hopefully some light or yeah. the flames. Um, uh, it, it's a miracle. It really is a miracle. That's the only way I can describe it. It, it kind of is, right? Because as you get older, and well, you it see, isn't. But what do you think about your your that part of you? Is it this miracle the right word to use? Well, I I mean I I don't really know. Well, what happens is, and I imagine you feel it every day. Is you 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 wonder, and you you say it in the books. You know, like you know, why am I alive? That I would not have been alive. Like that. That's what you really know. Once you get a little bit of sobriety, was it, there was no way that I was going to continue living uh, as long as this. If I continued that and whatever stepped in, I mean, I think the real miracle is when you, you don't really think about it anymore, but you know, drugs or anything else. Uh, but the miracle, it was a miracle. And, and I do think there is some will involved, but the fact is that when you get the real understanding that you can't do it anymore and you know that in your heart, that's kind of a miracle. You're sick of being sick. Yeah. You're sick of feeling sick. Yeah, and also just that when you get that idea that well, in the in the racket they call it the powerlessness that you you can't the only thing you need to know that is if you put another if you take a drink you're fucked and you have no protection uh, uh, against the next one really. I guess it's a miracle. I feel all right. Do you I'm, pray? I do at times. Uh, like I, if I can't sleep, I'll run uh, like a mantra of a serenity prayer through my head because of the rhythm of it and the idea of it and this sort of non-denominational Isn't element. It great? It's a great, it's a great little prayer. It I is. use it all the time. Yeah. I start my day with prayer and I end, I end my day with prayer. That's just become, you know, you know, as well when you, when you're an addict, yeah. you, you kind of push one addiction out the way and you bring another one in. So I'm kind of addicted to prayer. Which does that is that right? It's relatively healthy, I think. It, I think it's yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I find that really important to me. I pray throughout the day. Really, just, just you know, not not down on your knees thing because yeah. I think, man, if you want to go really, really deep and thinking about human consciousness yeah, and yeah. the cosmos and right. we're all atoms and yeah. neutrons yeah, and blah 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 blah, you know, yeah. Well, I kind of I can't do that. Yeah, I mean, the prayer thing for me. I mean, it, it was given to me. As a suggestion to do, I don't really have a, a tangible, not tangible, I don't have an established God in my mind, but I do know, uh, and somebody once told me that when you do pray, the, the sort of neural pathways of prayer are, are, are sort of uh, in the collective unconscious. So when you tap into that, there, there's a history that almost goes to the beginning of civilization that enables you to sort of put yourself into a relationship with something uh, bigger than yourself, but also uh, ground you in your humanity. And there it is. It's it's that you just that was just so beautiful and simple. Yeah, that's that's what it is, you know. And, yeah, and I think that's probably why I love it so much because it makes me feel peaceful. Yeah, you know, no matter how difficult a day I might have had, would you go to that place when I'm lying in bed and I've read my daily meditation? You got that, that book. Got the book. Yeah, uh, I read that every night before I go to bed. It's Some the same book you've had. 
Oh, actually, that got so battered and bruised, I thought, I'm going to put this in a safe place because yeah. I carried it around the world for 35 years. I know that book. It's a, it's a Touchstones. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I thought, I've, I've got to, I'm, I'll keep this there. Maybe I'll, I'll put that on eBay. Thomas, yeah. put this on eBay when I go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so I got a new one. I primed myself a new one about a few months ago. So I, I have the new Touchstone. So I did the Touchstone thing. And then, God, my prayers are getting long. It's like almost 15 minutes Praying, and do you, you, know. you do you conceive of a god? Uh, I love this thing where the atheists go. This is I don't believe in this man on the chair with a white beard and a white sure. robe. Where did that come from? Well, you are the man on the beard with the beard, <laughs> white beard on the chair. Yeah, this is my. Yeah, I call this my Gandalf. Years. I like it. Yeah, um, this is the beard that Dolly Parton tickled oh, recently. That's right. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that just happened. Is that great? Yeah, that was just surreal, man. You know, when I knew that um, she was going to be there. Yeah. You know, I'm at a, you know, the gay thing. I must have a selfie with Dolly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> it ended up being more than that. We yeah. ended up going viral. This picture of me and her. Yeah. At, uh, singing the end of Jolene, you know, oh, right, yeah. it just goes around the world. And then, you know, like three weeks later, I get a note from Dolly, would you sing with me on my new album? And <laughs> what is going it? on? Yeah, it's a song called Bygones, uh, and it's a beautiful song. It's a little, it's about um, letting bygones be bygones. You know, there's that phrase. Sure. And, and when you think about what that means, because yeah. she's a beautiful person on every level, she's just this bright light of love yeah. and you read the words because she, she's been through a struggle yeah. you know all this business about the log cabin and the bare feet it's real man yeah so well, country music is a struggle <laughs> <laughs> I saw a t-shirt the other day music is the best magic yeah or music is the greatest magic yeah which it is no totally you know what is this stuff that floats through the air through well, the radio well I know? was listening to uh, to the songs that, that I went to high when I was in high school your songs from Judas Priest and, you know, and they just drop into the groove in your brain right away, right at the opening. There are the drums, and you're like, I know this song. And and the interesting thing about music, it, it does have, it evolves with you. And that, there's nothing else like that. I mean, you can read literature, and, and it get, gets deeper as you get older and you know more things. But music, you know, it may represent some earlier part of your life, but then it, it, you listen to it again, and you, re, you reposition it in your mind and in your heart. And this is why when you go on stage in a band called Judas Priest yeah. and you know everybody in that room wants to hear a song that you wrote in 1980 yeah they don't give a shit about anything else they want to <laughs> sing Living After Midnight Rocking <laughs> to the Dawn yeah you know they, yeah. and if you don't if you don't provide that opportunity <laughs> you better just you know it's going it to be bad it's going to be bad it's going to be bad there's going to be chairs there's going to be bottles you know? and these are like 50 year old men <laughs> exactly do not piss off an angry 50 year, 50 year old yeah. metalhead yeah. from Georgia yeah. Who's, who has not been drinking his Bud Light, yeah. but he's just, he's, he's, he's lit. Yeah, you know? he's lit and he's ready Where's to... Where's some fucking living after me, breaking yeah, all, you yeah. asshole? He wants to tap into <laughs> him and his buddies driving in that Camaro in the 80s, right? Absolutely. But but you, but you know, you know outside of that, outside of the full uh, uh, catalog of, of hits, I mean, you, you didn't shy away from taking chances of losing that guy in Georgia... I mean, you did you did projects, which you know I, I that were very uh, ballsy and 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 vulnerable in a way that I can't even imagine going into it uh, that you didn't know it was a risk in terms of how you would be perceived. It's you, 
fearless. You've got to be fearless. Yeah. You know. But I mean, when you did it too, I mean, were, did you- be- I am a pig. Yeah. Did, did we're you- all pigs in shit. Sure. I know. <clears throat> look, the sentiment isn't lost on me, but when you did that, were you looking to erase what you had come from or were you looking to just try something? Everything has a, everything that we do in, yeah. in creativity has a connection. If we if we're not purely able to do it ourselves, and there are some brilliant genius people that do everything themselves, I've never been able to do anything myself. I've always had a connectivity with yeah. with another person, yeah. and that's how that project came about. You know, through through John Trent. Five. Through yeah. Trent, yeah. Trent gave me the opportunity to release it. Yeah. But John Five, uh, John Lowry, he came into my life. Um, Bob Lowry, uh, um, Bob Marlette. Yeah. Bob Marlette came into my life. Yeah. Uh, and suddenly we have this thing. We're just banging around ideas in a in a, in 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 Bob's house uh, in Calabasas or yeah. wherever, wherever he lives, and, we, and we're making this music. And he, I loved it because it was there wasn't really an idea other than let's just see what we can make. And it turned into this thing too. I said, to, we need a name. Well, it's just me and you. It's just, there's only the two of us. Yeah. So it's, a, it's two. And then we went off into this... Um, we went off into this this land of I'm a pig and digging a hole and... <laughs> And then, and then suddenly, to to start wearing like uh, slightly more extravagant clothes that are not rep- really metal, yeah, and wearing a lot of makeup, yeah, and then suddenly going on MTV one day and going, speaking as a gay man, yeah, and and it's out, you know. <laughs> oh, and you were dressed in that get up when you when you yeah, came out. Yeah, there's a great picture of me on the internet. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you go, well, look, obviously he is. You know, this 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 kind of closed-minded thing. All gay people. Uh, uh, right, you sure. know, like to wear a dress. Well, well that's and, interesting, isn't it? That, <laughs> that that you know you f- you had this space because you were in a different manifestation of you, and that the 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 risk that you felt during during priest uh, around being out uh, for all the number of reasons that it would ruin the band, it would ruin you, the fans would turn on you. But now you were like almost a, you weren't the metal god in that moment. I was the metal goddess almost, you know. So. <laughs> So, yeah. so I, I just went in. I went all in, you know. And then through through a, a kind of a really strange uh, backdoor, and I use that openly a, a <laughs> reference to Shishi Larue, yeah, the porn director, yeah. Larry. Uh, we met up, and he goes, "Oh my God, you've got a new project going on! I must make a video." So, like, fast forward two weeks, and we're in a in a in a lot somewhere in, in Hollywood. For pig? For pig, yeah, and he's got all of his porn friends. It's just like it's all porn, you yeah, know. Yeah, sure. And I told told uh, Trent and Jimmy Iovine because it was on Nothing Records, through, yeah. and we did, we did the whole thing, you know. And I, uh, and it was pretty risque. It's still on the YouTube's. Send it to 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 the guys and Jimmy goes, I'm not releasing this. I go, why? He goes, there's no there's no porn in it. I go, what? <laughs> there's no porn in it. I go. You want porn? And you told me it was going to be porn stars. I said there is all porn stars. If you look at them, if you know porn, yeah. oh, there's what's it, Bridget the Midget? There's blah blah blah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, they went, they went doing the fucking and the sucking and all that. <laughs> <laughs> it would never have got played. That's the whole point. <laughs> oh, yeah. It would have been would have been banned. And I'm like, I mean, I mean, this is not, so you want me to make a video that's going to be banned, which means the music isn't listened to, so it's just like silence. Yeah. It's like silent porn. Yeah. There's just nothing going on. 
you know? Yeah. There's just a black screen. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. It's like, wow, you know, how how the business works. So did, did you release a video on it? We we released a video and and uh, you know from a, from an artistic point of view, I think she she did a fantastic job. But that was after you came out. That's a very good question. That's a very good question. Had we made was all that made before we did the video? I can't. You know, I'd have to look through it through some kind of timeline of events. But um, around the same time, it's around the same time. Yeah. And uh, so this thing now that we're going to go into about if you can find, if you can find the 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 headspace and the opportunity and the moment to come out, yeah, do it absolutely, do it. You know, when I was driving here today, I thought I knew we were going to talk about a lot of stuff. Yeah. Do you think there are more gay men? There are, do you think there are more gay people than we know are gay? Yes. There you go. Of course. And I think that, you know, culture is, is, is the pendulum swinging the wrong way again. Mm-hmm. And I think that in certain states and in certain places that it's, it's become life-threatening. Mm-hmm. It, it always kind of was. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a tremendous lack of empathy, support, protection uh, uh, in, in, in entire states now through legislation. I, th- I think we're in a bad time. Yeah, people are terrified. Yes. People would, I mean, we have been, we have been part of... A group of people that have been, you know, murdered, burned alive, yeah. you know, whatever, tortured, God, all the most horrific things have happened to gay people as they have for other minorities, sure. you know, whether it's the Jewish faith or sure. fucking whole Holocaust. Imagine Jewish gay people. <laughs> Jesus, double. <laughs> I know a few. Yeah, there's plenty. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, it, you know, as much as that is like, it's terrible. Yeah. It's been terrible since day one. Is there going to, when, when is there going to be an end to it? I don't think there'll ever be an end to it while we have the attacks going on, the extremist attacks for yes. political reasons or for bigotry or for, you can't get rid of bigots. You can't get rid, you can't get rid of that kind of mentality of people, but don't give them a bigger voice. Of course. And, don't and that, give them a bigger yeah. voice. And, and that pushes on to people that say, man, I would love to come out, but you know, I right. might get walking down the street and somebody's going to hit me on the back of the head with a baseball bat. Yeah. So what a, what a terrible thing to have to walk through uh, as a, as a, as a gay person that's, that's, in the shelter of your own mind, yeah. But but put that forward to people that are openly out, and people know about it. Daniel Street, hey, have you heard so and so? They're a fag. Let's yeah. go kick the door in. Right. You know, all that kind of mental stuff is is going around. Mm. But even when you come out, yeah. I mean, I get I get it all the time. Not not so much, but I mean, compared to some people, but I, I get bashed, you know, yeah. through texts. Or I see what people say about me and all that kind but, of but stuff. But but initially, you were surprised by the outpouring of support and the voice you gave to people that were in your position. Yeah, because you fear rejection. Yeah, you well, fe- of course. You fear rejection. That's that's the primary reason people won't love me because I'm going to tell them who I am. Does that make sense? Well, it does if you're a if you're a, a gay person and you know maybe you've got the kind of a job that for whatever reason. You know. Yeah, but I think it's very interesting that this the moment that you 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 sort of impulsively did it, you had some space. I had some space. Do you know I I. I 
a question whether if I had not have come out like I did, yeah. would I still be in the closet? Hmm. You mean if you were just going along with Judas Priest? Yeah. Because I talk about in the book about having to hide because it was suggested to me by people in the industry, don't tell them that you're gay. That you're gay. Yeah. It'll be the end of the band. Yeah. What a horrible thing to think about, but it's yeah. a fact. But the guys in the band knew, right? The guys in the band knew, and yeah. people in the, in, the, in the label knew. that. And, you know, particularly through the 80s, when everything was peaking in metal, and a lot of the guys looked like women. Yeah. The hair years. Yeah, sure. My friends from Motley Crue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Poison. Yeah. My friends from Poison. I'm just, they're good friends. Sure. You know, I'm just saying, just think of how we will, some of us were looking then. Yeah, it went from, you know, full on sort of uh, uh, Dom leather to full on uh, drag queen. But, th- but for some reason, people didn't frame it that way. I don't know. I, it, I want, how did he get, how did he get to that place? Because we had the New York Dolls I, bef- way before that. Well, that's that. 72. Way before yeah, that, yeah. you yeah. know? yeah. Uh, and, 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 and they spawned Aerosmith, and they took up they took up where sort of the Stones left off in the in the seventies in terms of fashion, and kind of elevated that. And then it seems like Aerosmith kind of took it uh, into rock straight up. But yeah, it became a, a thing. But yeah. what, what, what was the tipping point? What was the tipping point when guys started to look that way? I, I can't think. Was there was there a band? Was there a person? Because you know, I think even- it was a it was a, 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 a an evolution. I mean, you know, because Jagger was you know there was always drag around, but like what the hair metal bands did, they were literally teasing their hair. I, mean, I think a- I think it was a case of we've got to do this too, or the, otherwise we sink in the shit. You know, we've got to we've all guys. We're all going to go down to CVS and get like a bucket load of makeup and yeah. hairspray and, and, that. Yeah. and nail paint. Sure. And we've yeah. got to do this. If we don't look like this, yeah. it's the end. And that's the then yeah. was the the dark side of the business. You know, you, you you had to really follow my leader. Yeah. If we look, they're top of the charts. We've got to look that way. We've got to sound that way. And it's not that far removed now to some extent, particularly in popular music, yeah. you know? Yeah. Were you surprised though with some of the lyrics and the, the, the outfits that people didn't know? Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as far as, uh, you know, opinions and uh, ideas about the attitudes of, didn't you see the the elephant was in the room wearing a tutu? How come you didn't? It wasn't understand? a tutu. It was a leather military <laughs> cap. <laughs> How come he didn't understand that? What 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 I did find amusing was that when I, you know, when it became aware that this is a gay guy, well, yeah, look look what he look look what he looked like. What do you mean? Yeah, you got the whips and the chains and. What does that mean? Yeah, well, you're obviously gay. So I'm gonna, there's a guy here in a metal band and he wears a biker's cap and he's got you know got on stage with a studied belt and he's got a whip and yeah. some handcuffs yeah. and he's wearing all this leather sure. stuff and so he's he's gay yeah everybody that dresses that way is a gay yeah. you know marlon brando on the waterfront you're a gay 
you know. Well, but but you know, at the time, like, if, what who was that that artist? What's his name from Sweden? Or you know, the the guy who did the sort of very uh, uh, gay cartoons of sort of oh, art- Tom of Finland. Tom of Finland. Great, what a great pioneer! Right, Amazing but but it, but there are moments on stage where you're, it looks like Tom of Finland created you. But here's the thing, though. Yeah. How how can a straight person have that perception? No, I get it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they might have come across Tom of Finland. <laughs> <laughs> or they, who, who knows what's under the bed? Yeah, of so, so you know, it wasn't just a hustler and penthouse. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I just thought that was mildly amusing today yeah, because yeah. he dressed like that. Yeah, this, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be a gay guy. But it is interesting that the the thing we were talking about that the shift in the the sexuality in in presentation with the hair metal bands was something so aggressively feminine that was seen still through through very straight eyes of the fans as just being a natural kind of evolution of the music that you know it was it was definitely i mean those guys were definitely in drag i think they i think the side that that, that helped maybe bring some kind of balance that the music was tough yeah the right. music was tough right and maybe it was because the girls liked the guys looking like girls and the girlfriends of the girls that looked like the guys that looking like girls went along with it sure maybe i don't know i think it's just like it, it was just uh I, I i don't know what the psychology of it all is it's, it's interesting but can we talk about before cuz i don't like my history or sense of metal like I was a late comer, you know. I grew up in, you know, I graduated high school in '81, so I, it was it was around. But you know, my bands were not specifically the metal bands. But who defined metal? I mean, because you're. Ooh, kind that's of a great question. Yeah, that's a, that's like that's a that's an an encyclopedia of answers from whoever you ask that question to. But you talk about the metal community, and it is a metal yes. community, and you. Uh, you know, throughout both books, you're like, you miss metal when you miss it. And it, it so it represents a community, you know, who were, you know, what is the, the, the history? Some people suggest that there was this great band called Blue Cheer. Sure, I know them, yeah. Summertime Blues. Yeah. It was really a really heavy song. Yep. Some people suggest that the name um, Heavy Metal is from... A Steppenwolf song. I think, isn't it from William Burroughs' book? Heavy Metal, yeah, Heavy Metal Thunder. William Burroughs as well. Mm-hmm. The actual name. But as far as the sound, this is the great debate, you know, yeah. because Sabbath, yeah. using Sabbath as a primary example, yeah. and I've always, I've always pushed that Sabbath were a heavy metal band. And my, my friend Tony, will always, Iommi would always go, no, we're, we're like a rock band. We're a hard, the hard band. rock, heavy yeah. metal. I said, no, you're heavy metal. No, no, I don't do that. So... I'll take that. I will take that trophy. The Judas Priest were the first ever definitive heavy metal band. Yeah, that's what I think. So that's a big. That's a that's a big thing to say, you know. Because when this podcast comes out and they go, Alfred says the priest of the definitive heavy metal yeah. band. I stand I stand by that statement for lots of reasons. Well, there was a drive to it that was different than than Sabbath. There was a, there, and it's a drive that you use through a lot of the records that I think you'll kind of move through a lot of heavy metal bands. It's a, de, it's a, it's a definitive sound. It's, yeah. a, it's a fine, it's a, it's a, it's a well honed, fine craft that came from these guys in the band. 
that all had their own definition of what this heavy sound, this heavy experience should be, you know? And also what you did with... um with the Peter Green song. Green Man Alicia. Yeah. It, it's like, you know, it was almost like metal was always there waiting to be born somehow. A great, a great lot of songs can take, that, um, can take that interpretation and become bigger than the original idea. Yeah, because that riff is so big. It's, it's huge. And, yeah, and yeah. You, you, again, you don't know it. it, it so, songs, take on, songs take on a life of their own that yeah. you have no input or influence in any way, shape, or form. Once it goes out into the public arena, this this now belongs to us. Right. You may have written this song, but this now belongs to us, and this is we're going to tell you what this song is. You Did know? you ever meet Peter? I didn't know what I would have loved to have met him mm-hmm. uh, because uh, the guy was a genius in terms of what he did with with the guitar. You, you made him, you made him a couple bucks, I think. Ooh, probably, some, <laughs> probably some uh, some uh, quite a few residuals. Sure, but. Um, Christine McVie, yeah. who passed recently, she's from Birmingham. Yeah. There's a lot of great music from Birmingham. Yeah. You know, Robert Plant. Yeah. Um, Did you meet him? Yes, I met him before I was anybody. He used to hang out in a bar in Walsall. Oh, he did? And he'd, he'd, be, he'd be propping up the bar with his golden locks. And yeah, I'd just yeah. stare at him. <laughs> yeah, know, just yeah. stare at him. Did you like them as a band? Oh, yeah, they were a big influence for me. Yeah. You know. my, my early influences were... Sabbath, because yeah. they were the local guys. We've known each other forever, and they were. Oh, make, really? They were making this metal, this metal. So you music. you were friends with all of them? Yes. Yeah. Still are now. Yeah. And how's Ozzy um, doing? I, well, that guy's just unbelievable. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. God, there's got to be a biopic on that guy. But I mean, he's lived his life in the media. Yeah. Right from when Sharon yeah. saved his life when he was at was at, at La Park in yeah. West Hollywood. Mm. Um, and everything we we know about him comes from that moment in the solo experience. Mm-hmm. But he did tremendous work in Sabbath. Yeah, you know, you know, when you become this larger than life personality, sometimes people forget about your musical yeah. abilities, the, the 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 great things that you've done, the great yeah. the great monumental moments that you've had with music. And I think a lot of the gets lost on Aussie because he's the guy that bit the head of a fucking bat. That's, you know, okay, that that might lead you through a door into a maze of a a hundred other, you know, songs and albums and so forth. But um, for him to have gone through what he's gone through recently and for him to still have that, this great metal perseverance, his metal determination... um, how we how we view it in the metal community that he's he's never giving up he's never giving in you know it's that no surrender thing like Glenn Glenn Tipton our guitar player yeah. is Parkinson's oh, is just Jesus. beating him up like but he's he will he will not quit you yeah. know yeah and then and then the discussion about people um, not only in music but in life that are facing challenges and difficulties health or otherwise you know. We've, I think we've all got this inner strength. It's there, man. Mm. It's all there. We've all got it, you know. Yeah. It might be at the bottom of the shit pit, but it's there. The survival thing. Yeah. And we, how we've you all do got it. that. Yeah, and how, like, you... you yeah, I, I know guys who are a little older than me that are getting these things, and, and I, initially my experience is that their ego can't quite take it, but it will buckle you, and I and usually the desire is to survive. It's, uh, it's, all, about, it's all about survival. And there, yeah, there's just such a humility to aging and to, to illness that you to can't. To aging, yeah. 
have you changed as as a person in the, in the last like? I just turned sixty. You just turned sixty. But do you do you do you kind of feel differently than like when you like twenty or something? I guess well, your, you know, your, your perceptions on everything. That's... Yes, yes. It, 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 more self awareness. You know, more more tolerance. More uh, being able to to stop myself from you know anger or from you, you know being more empathetic. This show has taught me a lot uh, in terms of talking to people and getting out of myself and and connecting with the 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 pain of somebody else so a lot of that stuff has evolved i'm still pretty neurotic and i still you know suffer from catastrophic thinking almost constantly but but in terms of behavior and just the humbling of 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 the physical machine sure a little bit and do you do you love yourself as a as a person it 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 there are moments I, I I think that that there's still a lot of uh, weird self-flagellation that goes on for this or that. It's just my brain's wired for it a, a certain amount of like you know I'm a, I'm an asshole or I'm this or I'm that. But I don't I don't see evidence of it as much as I used to. So so I know it's a phantom limb, but I haven't been able to completely uh, you know get it under wraps. When you when you create stuff, is yeah. it? Do you, because I'm, I'm, I'm a perfectionist, I'm never happy with what I've done. Yeah. Like we've just made this new album that's coming out soon. Yeah. And I listen to it and I sometimes have to turn it off because I don't think I'm good enough. Yeah. I don't think that, I don't think my role as a singer, as a lyricist, it's not good enough. Yeah. You know, that torture. Yeah. There's another word for it. Why, yeah. why am I still doing that, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Or the compare and despair business. Yeah, well, why? I mean, why? Because everybody else is going, it's great. But why? Do, and I love these people that say these things to me. It's fucking great, man. It's a great take. Yeah. These are some of the best lyrics you've written. Oh, you know. Yeah. Fuck you. What do you know? What do you know? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Why Why do we do that, you know? It's, it's, is, it, is that exclusively for creative artistic people or? i guess you know confident artists are you know they're a little annoying you know so <laughs> <laughs> you know the the secret language of uh, self-flagellation shame and never feeling good enough you know that's our territory i don't know you know with me because i do stand up and you know it is sort of a a very personal and, and, and it evolves and, you know, once the bits, like I don't beat myself up as much. Sometimes I wonder why I say certain things. Sometimes I wonder why I think the audience needs to hear about things. I'm very personal, but, but, uh, I'm not a, per I, I get a little perfectionist, but I can let it, let it go a little bit sometimes, you know, it, it, I'm not, you know, I think music's a little different cause you can just keep taking and taking and, you know, there's no end to how many times you can try something and eventually you don't even know anymore. You know, with comedy, you know, you're kind of, you know, once you put it on record, you put it on the special, It's that's it. And then it goes away. You know, and can you let that go? Yeah, I can. I can. You've, you've, got to, you've got to be able to do that, this let it go, let it go, this I, Disney I, thing. What I have a hard time with is, com is comparing myself to others. You know, accepting my own work, I've gotten better at that. But thinking that, you know, why the fuck is that guy got, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. that... <laughs> Why is he selling out Madison Square Garden? Yeah, I, yeah that, Square uh, Garden, and I'm at like Chico's in Pennsylvania. It's, it's, it's under the pizza store, and there's three people in the room. Yeah, 
Well, yeah, I mean, you, well, yeah, I, but I've, I've gotten better at that. I mean, and, and I think that, I don't think I, uh, as my friend Jim Gaffigan said, I don't think I ever touched the sun. You know, I was never in Rio at that rock show for 100,000 people. I never had the experience that you had. But I've grown to accept the fact that, like, hey, maybe what I do isn't for everybody. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's why. Yeah. yeah. The light bulb went up. Exactly. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. And, and, and then I have to accept that. And, and that's where I'm at now. Thankfully, I'm getting it done before I die, but it's still a little late. Right? It's always light. But so we were talking a little bit, and I think we should talk about it because, you know, in, in talking about comics, like I recently rewatched, you know, not knowing I was going to talk to you even, I recently rewatched Bill Hicks's bit about, about the, the case Mm-hmm. Uh, against Judas Priest. Do you know that bit? Have you seen him I, do I, it? I, I, it's, it's on my notebook of notes. Uh, yes. I haven't seen the bit yet. Really? But, but, but tell me what it is. Well, I mean, it's from years ago. Hicks has been dead a long time. You know, but, uh, but it was a lot of the arguments that you made, which is like, you know, what kind of band would want their fans to die? Number one. Right. Yes. Uh, number yes. two, like he just, you know, he talks about there. I think there's actually two bits. He talks about, look, if you're sitting around playing a record backwards, you're Satan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 It's it, because who put that idea in your head? Right. Satan. <laughs> <laughs> so like he was definitely, uh, uh, you know, really kind of fleshing out comedically in only his way. Uh, and he was a, he was a, a ballsy kind of uh, a real kind of. Um, aggressive, misanthropic humanist. He was he was a great comic. You should check it out. But I remember when all that happened and, and, and even reading the account of it in uh, Confess, it's interesting because of the culture we live in now and because of religious fanaticism and whatever other reasons. And and also this is the the age of the lawyer and 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 that you were to this day not happy with the way it was settled. No, because now, 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 stepping back because stepping back is a good thing to do. Yeah, especially in something so violent. Yeah, it's like an atomic bomb going off in front of your face in a in a courtroom, you know, and you're literally hearing things. What you you just want to stand up and scream, and but you can't because of court decorum and yeah. all that kind of stuff. It it it, it was almost like. I'd, I'd be sitting there and I'd be looking around. I'm like, is this a fucking movie? Am yeah. I in a movie now? This isn't real. Surely to God, this isn't real. But it was real. Very real. And the ramifications of this suggestion that subliminal messages are real and sub- subliminal messages can influence a person to do something, it's just... And, 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 and to, to have a judge fined for the prosecution... Just think about that, you know. Just think about how far that could go. Right. The and the, and the, the argument about using well in in did did this really happen in movie theaters? They would they would insert two frames of popcorn yeah. into the movie. Say, oh, I need some popcorn now. Well, that's not subliminal. That's real. You actually really saw yeah something in physically manifest itself right. in front of you. How do you do that with music? You know, this suggestion that do it which wasn't even a thing. It was just the way I was singing and the way I, because I did it in the courtroom. Yeah. I sang the phrase and the way that it, it, it you know, if you want to bring Satan into, onto the stand, he definitely said do it. it. It wasn't, you know, it was just a complete fluke. It was a fluke. Yeah. So to use that as your, as your case to 
break to potentially destroy this band and to potentially put a put a, a radio station every radio station in the in in the, in America would have to run a disclaimer before they played every song you know yeah. before we play this song we would like to say that if there's if you hear a subliminal message we are no we are not liable to blow. you know the guy yeah. that speaks a million words in in yeah, 10 yeah, seconds yeah, yeah. got to do that every time you play a song the the insanity of the whole end game was just didn't didn't people didn't people really think this through cuz a lot of people don't think things through you know i always think things through i'm 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 I'm, I can be impulsive and spontaneous, but I'm all. But at You're the same time, I know what the yeah. end is. I know what the end is. You know, I well, know what a, I'm aiming for. That they didn't seem to have. They didn't seem to have a game plan. They didn't seem to have an end in sight. What it was, it was shifting the blame off the parents. Yes, and and they were they wanted some sort of justice, but couldn't take responsibility for their part of how they brought these poor kids up. Whipping post. And I have every empathy for what those family members and parents and friends went through. I have every empathy uh, for their suffering that they went through. But more importantly, the loss of these two beautiful boys who were hardcore metal fans. They loved metal. Metal was their shelter. Yeah. Metal was their escapism. Metal was getting out of the, the dysfunctional screaming and yelling and punching and throwing yeah. environment. Yeah. And I'm going to go into this beautiful world of metal and I'm going to get lost and enjoy and yeah. forget all the shit on all this business. Process the feelings yes. with the music. And, and, then, and then this terrible thing happens, which has absolutely no relativity to, to music whatsoever. It was, a, it was a state of mind. It was a dare. It was a... It was a Kids playing around, yeah. whatever you want to talk about, you know, that horrible moment when the when the trigger was pulled, the trigger was pulled, and then these guys were in a courtroom in Reno, Nevada, fighting for their life. Yeah, beyond us, the the industry was fighting for its life. That's why the label financed the whole thing because they could understand what the potential was. So I run off to. Puerto Vallarta to escape everything that's, you know, wait for the the, the ruling from the yeah. judge. And he gives this very kind of ambiguous, wishy-washy, right. well, it could have been this, it could have been that. I, right. You know, the guys are okay. They were just, blah. you know, the, I'm sure they meant well, but blah, blah, blah. And I'm you like, didn't make it, you, f- didn't, you didn't prove, as yeah. opposed to just say this is all bullshit, you didn't prove your case. There you go. So he, he left uh, 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 an opening. Yeah, that's the thing. He left the opening. Yeah, you know when you close a door, you're supposed to close it. Yeah, but if you don't close it, you can see through the gap. Yeah, and you can hear people, and you can see well, the stuff going on. It's still an argument, too, like in, in, around rap lyrics, around rock lyrics, that you know it pro- it promotes violence. And you know Zappa used to fight against it. I mean, there was big hearings on it. But what was interesting about yours was at the beginning of it that. You know, these subliminal messages didn't exist. And if you're playing a record backwards, what the fuck are you doing anyways? And and that your lawyers were able to prove that you can actually hear things and other things said backwards that were nonsense, right? But the idea that the judge says that the First Amendment doesn't protect speech that's played backwards is crazy. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, that, that, that must have been the, the red flag at the beginning where you're like, oh, we're, we're fighting for our life here. 
if that's the way he's going to conce- you know, see mm-hmm. the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, 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 one per- how one person who is a judge has his own particular... Yeah. You read the Constitution... And it's there in it's there in black and white. I'm I'm not American. I love this country. I, I I've lived here long enough. I pay my taxes. All of my taxes are through the IRS. Yeah. So I think I've I've I have a voice yes. economically. Yeah. Um, but this is great. I'll I'll read the Constitution. I'll tell you what I think. Give that cons- that piece of the Constitution to the judge, and he'll tell you a completely different story. I mean, but that fight against censorship has been real and long fought since. Since Alvis went on, Lenny Bruce, uh, oh. Ed, Ed, Ed Sullivan, and they yeah. would do not put the camera below his waist. That's a great story. Did you see the biopic? Yeah, just a great story. Yeah, but but uh, Lenny Bruce, yeah, yeah it, it's a fight, and I, and I I welcome it, and I think it's important. Yeah, because I'm about as liberal as you'll ever meet. You yeah. know, I hate censorship in any fa- yeah. way, form whatsoever. I'm all for giving people a heads up. Yeah, and sure. Some of my friends would argue against that. Don't give them a heads up, you know. So yeah. when we went into the ratings world, where Dee Snyder had to go to Washington and yeah. talk about, you know, we're not going to take it and and twisted motherfucking sister and yeah. all this business, you yeah. know, and the, all these guys in suits are trying to connect to this yeah. this guy's world, and yeah. they're, they're clueless. They don't even know what a, how much a gallon of milk costs, yeah. let alone talking about music, you know. Yeah. So. Um, when when this all the typical business, you know, and, and we and suddenly we had ratings on on records, so you could argue that yeah, it's in the movies. Movies have suggestions. Who makes those suggestions? I don't know. There's a board of people that go. Yeah. There's too much. There are too many tits in this film. It's it's an R rating or or, yeah. or it's whatever. Yeah. So. The, the 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 this idea of, of putting that into music and and parental guidance yeah you know yeah you know you, you're you've got a 10 11 year old kid is suddenly a metalhead and they yeah. want to hear a song and, and this and this album and this there's all this profanity and this yeah. that and the other whose role is it to protect that kid is it the parents yeah. is it the record label is it the band Who's 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 in the game? Who's on the pitch here now? Who's who's refereeing right, this whole right, thing? Right, right. You know, yeah, yeah. We can give you an idea. We can give you a suggestion. We can put on this on this Judas yeah. Priest album, PG rated or whatever yeah, it is. Well, sure. I don't know what the hell it's called. You know. Um, so that was a very interesting experience and exercise to watch this because I watched I was in this in the country when all the, those hearings were going on and I knew the heart and soul of it was politics of course mobilizing religious fanatics that's all it was yeah it was votes yeah it was all about votes yeah you know and yeah. to and to and to blaspheme music at that level to pour fire onto it and set it set it alight just for your political agenda just so you could get the votes, yeah, you know, yeah. It, 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 that's how you. I mean, that's there's a, a, a clip of Zappa in like '86, you know, in, around censorship, saying that what this country is headed towards is a, a, a Christian theocracy, and it was on Crossfire, and Robert Novak was like, "What are you talking about?" And he was right. He's absolutely right. I mean, <laughs> you know, you're taking 
taking the books out of schools, taking the books out of libraries in 2023. It's yeah. And you know, I was a, I was born in 1951, and you know, the World War Two had just ended, and a lot of my country was still flattened and rebuilding. Yeah. And before that, there was this guy that would burn all the books that he didn't like, and this guy would burn all the art that he didn't like, and this guy would you burn know, all the Jews kill that he didn't like because he didn't fucking yeah. like Jewish people. Yeah. How far are we removed from that to, to now? It's not that far. Not that far. Not even a hundred years. No. Yeah. So, all, all after all, but I, I, for some reason, I want to come back. You, you were very close with Ronnie James Dio, right? We were, we were, yes, we were friends. I wouldn't say I was as close to him as some people, but we, we had a friendship based on a mutual respect for each other's work. And he came after you, though, right? In terms of metal. About the same time. Oh, yeah. He's got a great life story. Great yeah. life story from when he started. And know. Lemmy, was it a little after you? Or? L- Lemmy, Motorhead, you know, that that Lemmy was part of what was called the new wave of British heavy metal. Okay, okay, yeah. And so that music from those both of those guys, Ronnie in particular because he's a fellow singer, and it still is a tremendous inspiration. I still listen to Ronnie before I go on stage, just as, just as you know, you work yourself up. Rainbow he, Ronnie or Ronnie get, Ronnie? Ronnie Ronnie. Yeah. You, you know, you're going from a room with four or five people into on stage and there's 20,000 people yeah. waiting. You better be ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You better be on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What do you do before you walk out? Do, do, do you do you just walk out from your your dressing room? Oddly, because I work in small theaters and comedy clubs, I listen to the... Uh, to the 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 kind of uh, volume of the audience chatter, and I can sort of tell how how much they've had to drink. Yeah, yeah. So like I kind of gauge that and and kind of mentally sort of prepare how I'm going to approach this because I like to I like to sort of you know be pretty vulnerable pretty quickly. I'm not there to to blow them out of the water, but I I kind of listen to the audience. I watch my opening act and I decide what my approach is going to be for the first 10 minutes to get to where I want to go. So that's how that's what I do. But in terms of preparation, uh I don't know. I I I tend to uh just make sure I, I see where I am. I'm very, I, I'm, I'm sort of like, I love backstage areas because for me it's sort of like, this is show business. Yeah. <laughs> oh, me, I love it. I love it. I love walking to the stage. Yeah, yeah. I love saying hi to the, the janitor and, yeah, and all exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love saying hi to those people, yeah. you know, because without them we wouldn't be able yeah. to. But it's grounding. You know. It's grounding. Yeah, it, it, it does. It, it, I, I love it, you know, yeah. because you go from that into Disney, yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 it's great. But when you when you do, is there a correlation? Because in music, when I'm when I'm putting a set list together for the band, I start at a certain place. I take us through to this midpoint end, midpoint experience, yeah. and then I end with the fireworks. You know, for yeah. the July. Do you do that with stand up? I definitely have a closing piece. You know, I there. You know, I kind of move around and decide what I want to close with. We are working towards it. I like to leave room for. Improvising, you know, depending on the town I'm in, I like to make it very personal and have uh, as less of a fourth wall as I can without them actually having a conversation with me. So, like, I'm I'm creating an intimacy where I think ultimately you're creating a spectacle, which is, you know, it's just a different racket, right? Yeah, it's it's a different racket, but it's the same. How do you cope with the person that flips you off or um, talks? Yeah, I'm pretty good at shutting them down. Uh, you know, I can be relatively diplomatic, but at this point, most of the people that come are my fans. And when a yes. lot of times when they talk, 
uh, it, it's because I've created an environment where they think we're in conversation. And, and so I can be fairly polite with shutting them up and just say, like, oh, look, I'm not that interested in you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate your input, but I think it's got to stop here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the polite verbal bird. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, now, we, now, I just, where does it, ACDC fit into your world? Anywhere? Oh, this is amazing! Yes, love them. They were they were the ones who told me who, who was I talking about? I was talking to the driver last night, Steve, yeah. who picked me up from the airport. We were, yeah. we were driving from Burbank to, to the hotel. Yeah, and we were talking about this this big event that's coming up, the power trip, and oh, with guns and ACDC. Yeah, so we're going. It, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We're on Saturday night. I love Saturday nights. Yeah, um, so. It's it's a priest on Saturday night, ACDC and Judas Priest. The the beautiful thing about this, and why is it happening? Because it's just too fucking coincidental. Why is it happening that Ozzy has to uh, say I'm, I can't make it? So I'm I'm bringing my mates Judas Priest in to to do my spot. Yeah, and we drop everything because we have each other's backs in, yeah. in the real sense of what that means. But why is it happening that that we're with ACDC who took Judas Priest out on a European tour in 76, oh, 78? So was that Bon? With Bon. Oh, God. Great. And we have one of the most amazing, and they're filling out every venue, yeah. and they really opened the doors for us yeah. in Europe, like Gene and Paul did for, for Priest with Kiss, Yeah, you know, a little bit further on in the 70s, early 80s. And we're, we're gonna go. We're gonna go back on stage together. And and here's here's the real kicker. I haven't seen any of the, those guys since then. Wow. We haven't seen each other since then. I haven't seen Angus since 1978. That's crazy. I can't think of a moment when we've been in a in a truck stop or an airport yeah. or whatever. Yeah. You know. And forty something years later, yeah, these bands are still together. Yeah. And we're still doing what we love to do. Yeah, and we're be, we're on the same bill. Could have been on any of the other nights for the way things life works. Sure, but we're on the same bill. Yeah, you you tell me that's like you know beautiful. That's that is beautiful. That Full is circle. The, yeah, yeah. That's the only way you can describe it. You know, because you look at a band like Priest. We've been making metal for over fifty years. Yeah, and there's no you know again in show business. You're going to start your career on blah, 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 and your career will end on blah, blah, blah. There is no, the, the point from the beginning to the end yeah. is never set in stone. The end is never set in stone. Sure. If you'd have told me that I was, I was going to be screaming my tits off at 72. <laughs> <laughs> no. You yeah. Know, what are you smoking? You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, maybe I'll, you know. Maybe I will take that. A final drink, yeah. you know, it's just too remarkable. And then we go off into this, you know, yeah. serenity, serenity prayer vibe, and it's yeah. just beautiful, man. I don't think you can really understand this until you've lived life. Yeah. You've yeah. got to live life before, yeah. before, oh, yeah. Well, that's what I've noticed, too, about uh, getting older is that you've, it almost seems like you've lived more than one life. Because you can look back and be like, who the fuck was that guy? It's exactly. Like, you, I have to assume that you listen to some records and you're like, oh, my God. 
You know, I can generally see, but, you know, again, it's a wholly different thing. I used to be afraid to look at my old stuff, but I'm like, oh, that's me. It's just not me now, but it's I'm I'm me. And in, in our brains, you're like, I'm not like that guy anymore. Yeah, yeah, you're that you, you. That that's interesting. I I can look I can look way back. I can I can be more I can be more kind of at ease and comfortable with referencing something that I did thirty years ago. Yeah. Than I did like five years ago. It's I'm too close to that. Sure. I'm too critical of, of that right. moment. Yeah. But I can look back at that guy. Yeah. And go, oh, look at that guy, man. Look at yeah. him stomping around and jumping around and screaming and <laughs> devil horns. On the motorcycle. You know, yeah. living the life. And, yeah. And th- th- I can look at that and that's just, but the closer he gets, I'm like, fuck that, you shit. You, listen to you. That was, that, that was a B sharp flat minor too low, you yeah. know. You didn't <laughs> yeah. pronounce the word properly you know look at the way you're standing you know yeah yeah oh, you've been very hard on yourself but uh but but it is uh it's 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 sort of interesting it, it, you intimated in, in one of the books that you know and i have this feeling too like i'm not nostalgic because i don't look back and feel like i had a lot of great memories necessarily uh you know i i i had i think good times but i i feel better now about myself and about about my life than I, I ever have. I, I used to hate not, I, I used to hate that word nostalgia. Yeah. And now I embrace it because yeah. I understand what it means. I yeah. understand the emotion that's connected to what that word implies. And what is it? Well, that 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 fifty year old guy that's <laughs> with the Bud Light and the, and he's play yeah. some fucking break of the law. <laughs> that's nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's nostalgia, you yeah, know. Yeah, sure. And and so it's I love great. it. I you, love it. You do. It, you know, it's not the best kind of nostalgia, but I'll <laughs> I'll I'll take it. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I hope it goes well. I hope you have time to talk to what's left of ACDC from when you knew them. That'd Angus be... is still there, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, what a great guitar player, dude. Yeah. Now, would you call them metal? No, I wouldn't. I would okay. call them rock. I'd call okay. them hard rock to, to, in, to some extent. Yeah. But, but uh, they, they are unique yeah. in the sense of you say that band's name and the, the songs start playing in your head and there is no other band that sounds like ACDC. They got that drive. So does, so does yours, Priest. It's got a, a brand. Drive. Yeah. It's a brand. Sure. And I don't mean that in a throwaway. Sure. It's a brand. It's a sound. It's ACDC, you know? Yeah. And... Angus never messed with that. He never went off into different opportunities. He was happy with what what he's got, you know, and and I love that. I love that commitment and that tenacity to stay as you are. Because again, you know, it's that, it's that Sylvester Stallone, we only want you as Rocky. That's, that's the public perception that you have to live with. Well, and I think they always sort of knew it. Like, you know, when someone asked them about, the, like, uh, there was a question about the new record, and, and I think there was a, an answer on behalf of Angus or Malcolm or somebody was like, uh, we've been making the same record for the last 10 records. What do you, what do you, what do you Just rearrange the notes differently, put <laughs> yeah. a few different words in. Yeah. And that's great, you know, it's like comfort food. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, have fun at that thing. Thank you. And it was good talking to you. I'll be back. Okay. I'll be back. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Great guy, right? Biblical comes out in paperback on November 7th. And of course, you can get all the Judas Priest albums wherever you get your, your music. Hang out for a minute.
Hey, if you enjoyed all the Arnold episodes last week, you should check out episode 1095, 1095 with comedian Dan Levy, who tells a great story about pitching a movie for Arnold. Went to Arnold Schwarzenegger's house. Yeah. Pitched it to him, and that was an insane experience. Yeah, and he's like, you was know, he governor? He was not governor. Yeah, and uh, but he was his essence was insane. You know, really? Yeah, just like you know, this is a guy whose like voice has been in my head since I don't even some, ever. Yeah, and he is wearing like Lululemon. And he looks yeah. older, and he's eating chicken. He's like, I heard you're so funny. I'm like, no way. You see my sea salt special? <laughs> <laughs> There's no way you know that I'm funny. And then we like sit down, and he's petting um. His Labrador Retriever yeah. as I'm pitching him the movie and yeah. I look up and there's an oil painting of him petting the same Labrador Retriever and I was like, my life is insane. I'm pitching with my, my buddy Steve Baslone and then we are like getting to the end and Steve has like the emotional part like, and uh, in the middle of that, like Arnold's really looking at us like, okay, this is real good and then a fucking horse walks in the kitchen <laughs> named Whiskey. A horse? Uh, an actual like horse animal and, and he stands up and he goes, Whiskey, what are you doing? You're ruining the pitch and we're like, what is, what? <laughs> And we're just, everyone's like, uh, all his other people are just like nodding, like, okay, yeah, whiskey's here. And we're like, no, no, no. It's a horse in the house. You can listen to that episode right now for free in whatever app you're using. It's episode 1095. If you want every episode of WTF ad free, sign up for WTF Plus. Just go to the link in the episode description or go to WTFpod.com and click on WTF Plus. And now I will have Brendan pull a riff from the archive. Because I'm guitarless.
Boomer. Monkey. LaFonda. Live. <laughs>